Welcome to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. Well, we're here on a gorgeous winter day (laughs) with our friend John, uh, who is uh, Skyping in from St. Louis. Uh, Hi, John. Hey there. How's it going? That's going all right. How about you? Good, good. Yeah, we're doing fine. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. This should be good. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, John uh, connected with us on Twitter in the early days of the podcast, so he's been one of our longtime listeners, and uh, and we've become friends, and we've really enjoyed having uh, his insight and commentary that has helped me anyway, I don't know, Aiden, probably you as well, yeah. to kind of solidify our thoughts about some of the episodes and clarify things, um, which has been totally invaluable. So it's it's a real honor to have you on yeah. on with us. So Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, before we get into anything else, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you came to Twin Peaks and uh, your experience with it so far? Well, sure. When it was first airing uh, back in 90... I was 12. Okay. Uh, my mom, my mom was watching it, so I ended up seeing it uh, kind of over her shoulder uh-huh. over that summer when they were re-airing everything and right, she right. recorded it. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I actually started watching for real with the uh, with the Saturday Night Live appearance of Kyle McLaughlin, which oh, was yes. awesome. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then from there it kind of <laughs> messed with my nightmares for a little <laughs> while with the season two opener and yeah. then Maddie's death yeah. and everything else and. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it just basically got in my head and never left. Yeah. It seems like that happens a lot. It's it's, yeah. it's that kind of show. Yeah. So do you remember um, any of the drama surrounding cancellation or anything like that? Like, was that, <laughs> w- were you present for that? Like, was that, is that something you remember? Sort of. I actually yeah. stopped. I, um, I was looking through, like, air dates and everything, and it sounds like I, um, I came back uh, in January when the new episode started again after the winter break, yeah. and um, I just kind of stopped watching it at that point uh, for a while, yeah. uh, just because it, it didn't seem like the same kind of show, and I mean, yeah. you know, we're in the dearth now, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're at the Diane Keaton episode, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure listeners at this point kind of understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I kind of stopped around Little Nicky. Um, <laughs> a lot of people yeah. do. Yeah, it's a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then in TV Guide, I remember seeing that um, you know, like the that the show had gone on hiatus, mm-hmm. and that the last thing was uh, was uh, a Josie-related event, uh-huh. and um, yeah, it was just kind of <laughs> like okay. Yeah. But I still ended up coming back for the. Uh, for the final movie when they okay. when they showed it that June. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, like, I actually knew Dale Cooper's fate, um, you know, pretty much right away. Oh, like, I man. mean, it's it's been a creative uh, force in my life ever since. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I was, I was five when I saw it for the first time, and I didn't, Ooh. I don't remember much of it aside from the scary parts, but, but to be, I mean, I, Knowing people who who from 1991 until now have been waiting for the new season and mm-hmm. waiting for something new. I mean, you're one of those people. That is that oh, is yeah. in, that is incredible. <laughs> like, I mean, the patience and the frustration that you must have felt all these years, <laughs> and now it's finally coming to something. Like, we're getting, you know, we have an air date now, and it's all very, it's all very real, right? So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, anything else you want to ask John before we get? 
Is there? Is, do you have yeah, do you a, have a favorite uh, favorite character or a favorite episode that you'd like to talk about? Just uh, give us some insight into how you approach the show. Oh, um, well, um, I mean, Dale Cooper is pretty much like the. Um, he was kind of my compass. Like, mm. You know, he's. Uh, I mean, I've talked about this over at Sparkwood and Twenty One and their mm. uh, Dale Cooper autobiography episode, right. but um, it's it's basically like. I mean, Cooper was, like, a really amazing role model. He was uh, pretty much, you know, the guy that you wanted to be, you wanted to know. Yeah. I mean, he was just that awesome. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's it's impossible to not be Dale Cooper. Yes. <laughs> I mean, for, you know, my favorite character. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you have a favorite but, episode, or is that a little harder to pin down? Well, I mean, the, the finale, yeah. uh, episode 14, or, you know, the Maddie's episode. Um, yeah. You know the, the i mean pretty pretty much all the uh all the really super scary bob moments you know yes. it's like those are always going to be my favorite ones just yeah. because they're so formative yeah oh of course yeah and they're great they are great <laughs> yeah. they're, they make for great television yeah, so definitely. so okay so um yeah let's, let's, the... let's dive into this episode so okay. we're we're discussing season two episode 15 uh the diane keaton episode as john already yes elucidated for us um, that is the director. Yes, it was written by Harley Payton and Robert Engels, uh, directed by Diane Keaton. It aired on February 9th, 1991, and I think it takes place around March 19th, 1989. So we're getting to about a month after Laura Palmer's murder. There's so much that's happened. When, when you really put it in context, I mean, we say these dates, but when you really stop and think about it, like, that's a lot to happen in this yes. small town in, in a month. <laughs> so, um, yes. but... Uh, and the episode is, is titled Slaves and Masters, and, and Aiden, I guess you want to... Yeah, I want to do the German. You want to do the German. <laughs> what so. is it? Look. Sklaven und Meister? Okay, play Let's, it for us. Well, Let's listen to what Google says. Sklaven und Meister. Okay, so your, your pronunciation wasn't it was, terrible, but... It wasn't but too bad, it's still, as far as I go. You are getting better, Aiden, I will say that. Yeah, so. well, I think the titles get easier. I think that's how it works. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so that's the basic details, and yeah, and maybe we should address the that this episode is kind of it has a bit of a, um, I don't know, an understanding amongst fans as one of the worst yeah, episodes, I think, maybe. And I don't know, yeah. I don't know, John, if you agree with that assessment or not. I'm not sure um, where I fall on it. I'm not sure Aiden yeah. where you fall on it, but I think I think Keaton's directing. I mean. I've read Reflections, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Brad Dukes book. Yeah. And, I mean, it sounds like she was basically, like, really nervous about directing. It was one of the first things she ever did. So, I mean, like, I I could kind of see, like, why she made some of the decisions she did. Yeah. And, I mean, honestly, some of them. I mean, it. I, I think she was trying to put in a lot of energy into the show. Right. And she didn't really have the script to uh, yeah <laughs> to to handle all yeah. of her energy. Yeah. So it it ended up kind of overselling things, and therefore like all the uh, all the emotion that we're supposed to get from things just kind of ends up getting like uh, buried by it. You know, it's like you know, it's uh, all these visuals. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, the scene doesn't deserve this. The scene, you know, it, it, it's oh, this is too important. You know, I mean, right. it, it just feels kind of like that at the end result. But I can kind of see where she's coming from. Yeah, yeah. and and I think it's a good point that I, if it wasn't her first 
thing that she directed. It was very early in her directorial career. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's <clears throat> worth noting that it's it's a you know a yeah. seasoned actress, but a, a, a novice yeah. director. So yeah. I mean maybe cut her some slack but but it does have some odd there are some odd choices that are made that um that we'll be we'll be bringing up i think as we go through Mm -hmm. um so let's start with the uh the log lady intro which um yeah we did watch um i know john uh, didn't have the chance this time had you seen it before though do you Probably yeah, and I, I actually read the transcript. Okay, yeah, so I know it's about death mass. Yes, yeah. exactly. Which seems a little on the nose, obviously, with considering well, the the end of this episode. Yeah. But um, but, but Aiden, hey, why not? Yeah. Since everything else seems to end up being on the, the nose, nose, exactly, why not right? So it, the it, intro too. It yeah. makes sense, right? Um, but Aiden yeah. had an interesting interpretation of it. He just yeah, I, I well yeah, I kind of interpreted it because David Lynch wrote the intro, so I figured mm-hmm. it, in a. It may be, it's probably me reading into it, but it seemed like he was taking the death mask as a metaphor for the episode itself and then saying, mm-hmm. well, why do we have this? Like, why, why does a death mask <laughs> exist? Um, could, 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 do you really want to throw it away, though? It's, it's part of a, a memory that you have of someone, um, and you, who wouldn't want to study that? Um, but at yeah. the same time, you know, why, why, why does it why exist? Does it, why yeah. does it exist? Yeah. So I thought that was, you it's know. It's a little meta. Yeah, it could but... be. I, I don't know. I mean, it, otherwise yeah, it doesn't but... really make much sense to me, so. Yeah, but you know that's that's the way Lynch kind of works anyway. You know, <laughs> exactly. like the uh, the chairs in Ronette's room. You know, it's right. like sorry, Ronette, and you know they're they're like uh, raising the chairs yes. and everything, and he yeah. leaves that in the show. So why yeah. not leave this episode in the absolutely. show? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, it it, it makes sense. So, so. yeah, that no, was it, otherwise. So yeah, uh, first shots. It's not even a scene. It's it's the chessboard. Yeah, the very extreme close up mm-hmm. of those chess pieces, which um, again just like all the chess imagery and talk that we've had in the last few episodes, it really just underscores the fact that this is, this this chess game is taking um, a much bigger... Bigger role, literally, yeah. yeah it's, literally. It's bigger yeah. Than, than the chess board itself. And it's it's kind of interesting because you're kind of navigating amongst the pieces, like you're yeah. you're on the board with, with everyone else um, mm-hmm. who's being played with. Right, and right. Uh, yeah... Yeah, I, I I kept thinking as I was watching it, like how did they shoot that? I really know nothing about film production. Uh, <laughs> I was imagining like a tiny, <laughs> tiny little camera on a mouse that's going like that's not how they did it. But in my head, yeah. that's how they did it. Yeah, so it was it was kind of I think just yeah. It seemed like it was one of those over stylized moments that was well, meant yeah. to evoke something. Exactly, and I noticed one shot in particular. I think she's going up the the camera's going up the the queen or the king, yeah. and then there's another pawn or another piece superimposed <laughs> on top of that right. one and you're like well yeah. okay <laughs> yeah double superimposition that's yes. wonderful yeah yeah, yeah. let's so. not go for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. that was interesting i guess um and then yeah. it cuts to uh evelyn yes in her mm-hmm. in her widow's weeds yeah her morning outfit i guess um yeah and, and, and this is kind of unfortunately what the rest of the episode there's a lot of evelyn in this episode uh, that we we're forced to deal with, and she's really not doing much here. She's just kind of sad, and you know, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, so she's talking to well, no, Malcolm. Sorry, is talking to some cops. Yeah, kind of setting mm-hmm. up James, um, and Evelyn kind of participates. She says like, "Oh yeah," she identifies his name, and then uh, then the cops leave. They have this kind of funny moment where he's trying to spell Jaguar. Hired him to fix the Jaguar. Jaguar. J A G W. The car. 
Um, but then Malcolm manhandles Evelyn, and this is yeah. something that Aiden and I talked about in, in our the last episode, that um, we weren't really sure the role that Jeffrey Marsh was actually playing in Evelyn's domestic violence situation. It almost seems mm-hmm. like Malcolm is the one who's, like, beating her up all the time. Like, he seems much more menacing than, than Jeffrey Marsh ever was, right? So, I don't know. What's your take on that, John? Well, I... I honestly don't think the writers thought that much about it. <laughs> so, uh, You're probably right. Of, it's kind of hard to tell for sure, but I I kind of feel like Jeffrey has to be the one yeah. uh, doing some of it at least because, okay. you know, I, I would think that he would be asking her questions like, why do you have this bruise on you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah this... I guess that's true. That is true. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but it is it is a disturbing scene. Like, how complicit is she um, what are her motivations yeah. for all of this? She's really she she is going along with this plot in the end yeah. to frame James, even though she's she, confessed her undying love for him and told him to leave, like gave him a head yeah, start getting so away from the cops. So what what is what's her angle? I guess is it's it's really upsetting to me that it, the show is forcing me to think so much about Evelyn Marsh at this point because yeah. I really just want the storyline <laughs> to be over. So. Yeah. Well, so we, at least they gave her something to do this Yeah, that's time. true. Like, I, I really feel like Annette McCarthy actually did a good job with the material she was given, in, especially in this episode. In this episode especially, yeah. I thought, uh, was yeah. much better than, than mm-hmm. some of the other scenes. And maybe it's because she doesn't have to act so much opposite James Marshall, who was not given very much to work with either, but does even less with it, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's one scene we'll get to when... She Poor makes, James. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get to the scene where she and Donna are talking. I actually kind yeah, of enjoy that yeah, scene, yeah. Uh, which is the only one yeah. I can say that about. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get there. But this is the first yeah. scene where um, some of these odd choices start to come in. It's not odd. It's just it feels like <laughs> Diane Keaton is trying to channel David Lynch in a really major way, and I'm not sure that it works. It works. <laughs> With the, the cops well, I, filing out in single file from the, the marsh. Yeah place and um they march like that marching band yeah. almost it's weird yeah what do you think John? well i i kind of think it's um like i've i've got this working theory that everybody's referencing everything else that came before twin peaks yeah. within twin peaks okay. like it's just a thing that's always been happening i mean everything from gordon cole being a name they took from sunset boulevard yeah. to um the 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 way they cast everybody yeah um uh, I mean, just like they they reference all kinds of things. I mean, Laura, the the movie mm. Laura from yeah. what ninety four or forty four. Forty four, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just just the way they do that. I I think uh, Keaton did a lot of that because I mean, she's obviously you know pretty fluent in what's what's come before. I mean, she's a huge uh, fan of history of film and mm-hmm. and movies and. Um, and TV. Yeah. And I think, I think the cops are supposed to be like, I, I don't know if it's exactly like Keystone cops or something yeah. like that. I feel like it's like a reference to one of those kind of things, the way they file out the way they do. Yeah. And then like the, the bus drivers that show up next, yes. I, that's gotta be a honeymooners thing. Absolutely. I don't know if there's five of them. I, th- I thought there were seven. There's a lot of them there's though. A lot, yeah. And it, actually, that's I think in the, yeah. when you first see them, there's four and then there's more and they, there's just, Every shot you see of them, there's more of them. They keep multiplying. Yeah. It's what I thought, but yeah, <laughs> no, but, definitely. Like listening, to, like Jackie Gleason is an opera fan. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, he was a bus driver on there. The, yeah. the hello, Frank. I mean, that's definitely an old school Hollywood kind of thing. Absolutely. But like, I, 
I think she's just like hodgepodging a whole, whole bunch of Hollywood references yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah. And that explains a lot of her weirdness. And I don't know. Like, I, I think she's less aping Lynch and more just like paying an, uh, an homage to early Hollywood. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. It Maybe maybe that's just because I, I see this and I'm, immediately when I see something weird like this, I think, oh, that's... That's a David Lynch reference, but of course, at at this point, I mean, it's far more likely that someone would be, you know, referencing something. Yeah, like yeah, it's kind of picking up on what Twin Peaks has done already, which right. is yeah, doing yeah. those references and and playing with the with the tradition, the stereotype, not stereotypes, the tra- traditions of of filmmaking. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and Diane's just like yeah, Diane's like yeah, okay, I'll do that too. Sure, and sure. She went to the fifties again, which is you know a Lynchian of time frame yeah, to do yeah, it. Yeah. So exactly, yeah, that makes sense. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, we do we do go to Wally's, and yeah, that's, where and that's where we, we see, see these bus mm-hmm. drivers, and um, and Donna and James are still in town. They're still at this bar, and and I and I often wonder, just you know, me again being super pedantic, like what are they still doing there? Yeah, why would they? Why stick is around? James still sticking around? <laughs> like he he's being set up for this murder that by this woman that he barely knows. Like why wouldn't he? I, I, I just, I don't, I don't understand why he thinks that he'd be able to reason with her nope. and why he wants to go back to that. Yeah, I have no idea. I, at the end of the last episode, I was like, oh, thank God that that storyline is over. And yeah. then it's like, no, there's a whole episode. Yeah. So there um, and here we are. And yeah. Sorry, John, go ahead. First seven times I saw this show, I, I just like, I would constantly be dumbfounded by the fact that the storyline comes back yeah. you know, it's like why couldn't they just leave it there was a perfect opportunity walk yeah. away yeah exactly yeah. like I, and i don't really know why they had to end the storyline this way either because the way it ends doesn't really have any there's no real like we don't have enough invested in evelyn as a character to yeah. care about her her ending or malcolm's ending so why do they need to do this? It's, yeah, it's, it, it almost would have been better if like James goes back to Twin Peaks and he has to lay low for like sure, or, you know, or, it, or yeah. deal with Sheriff Truman, you know, hiding him and potentially having a conflict of interest kind of thing. Like sure, there's, something there's, like that. There's more interesting ways of it doesn't even further Donna and James's storyline much no. at all. Um, well, in no. in future episodes, so yeah, I, I'm really yeah. kind of baffled by that. I think they put it there because they needed. I mean, the, I I think the. Uh, the main point of like why they put it in there in the first place was oh wouldn't it be cool if we could put a crime noir movie in the yeah. middle of Twin Peaks and then they had to end it you know yeah, they yeah, had yeah. to get to yeah. the credits of that movie I guess that's before true before it could go on that is true yeah no for sure and and it it is very yeah like we've said before it's very noir and very but in in like a really bad way a really bad <laughs> noir <laughs> but, yeah. but still yeah well, it's, it's it's like without the twin peaks twist on it yeah I mean, you know it's like they, they usually like when they're when they're going to incorporate something from before yeah like they'll they'll do that weird little twist that mm-hmm. twin peaks does where you know it, it kind of turns it into its own thing yeah. but when they're doing this this uh evelyn marsh thing yeah. i mean they just play it straight it's totally yeah. straight it yeah. doesn't work yeah no it doesn't at all yeah it's really painful but um, um so yeah it's then donna and james are talking and they basically james says oh i want to go back and talk to evelyn she'll clear this up yeah. for me and everything um and yeah she he says she'd listen to me i know she would and donna of course says how how do you know that james and then she realizes <laughs> that of course james has once again been sleeping around up behind her back um yeah and yeah and then the cop walks in and james screws off well yeah and, and but donna does make the sensible decision to call ed that's um, right. I forgot about that yet. Which is, you know, 
I mean, maybe she's wised up. She spent so much of, of season two, well, and, and most of season one as well, um, you know, hiding her, her dealings from the authorities and people yeah. who could maybe help. But now she's realized that they're although, in over their heads, yeah, so although, let's, let's yeah. call Uncle Ed and see what we can... Yeah, although he doesn't actually help in this episode at all. No, not that not we see anyway, so... But anyways, but, yeah, so yeah. that's that's that scene. The cop walks in, and they have that very... It's, it was funny. I kind of laughed. Um, it was where the cop walks in, and all the bus drivers yeah, turn yeah, down yeah. and say, Hey, Frank. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is, yeah, I don't know. It was there. <laughs> I just like... You know me, I like my little, my little vignettes, and that was a cute one. Um, sure. So do you want to go to the sheriff station? station? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Uh, with, uh, yeah, Bobby and Shelley telling Cooper and Truman about Leo. Um, yeah. And Bobby admitting that Hank was the one who shot Leo. And they kind of clear up a lot of those those lingering storylines that, um, or at least now everybody's on the same page from mm-hmm. the the fi- final events of season one. And, uh, and it's, it's, I mean, it's, I'm not really sure if it's uh, what the purpose is, aside from just giving, you know, uh, allowing Shelley to, now she's in the clear, she's going to have protection from the from the cops 24 hours a day. Um, they've ended those, those, those threads from who shot Leo, like now Cooper knows and Hank, uh, Sheriff Truman knows, so it's, it's kind of like, it's not an info dump, but it feels like it's just there to wrap up that that little yeah. plot, right? Um, yep. John, what are, what are your... Do you have any notes on that scene? Or <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly don't about the details, but like I, I think a lot of what this episode does, and I, I think... Um, I feel like Diane Podcast and a few other podcasts have basically like declared this episode being like the one where they tie up the loose ends yeah. so that they can go on to the next story yeah. arc. Like, yeah. and, and all the ends get tied up here, yeah. as far as I can tell. Like, yeah. you know, so I I think this fits right in with that kind of yeah. Uh, theory. Yeah. But yeah. I will say, um, the way they shoot that, like the way the camera's on the table yes. looking at, at Bobby and Shelly. Yeah. I mean, I have toddlers at home. Yeah. And the way it's shot, it, it looks like, you know, like their arms are underneath the oh, table yeah. and everything else. It, it looks like they're sitting in booster seats. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, so they're like, very, they're, they're, they're like at the little kids down. at the big kids table or something, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's like Bobby and Shelly, you know, it's like they're they're talking their, their small stake stuff, you know, and they're, yes. it's, it's almost like they're supposed to be seen like they're incredibly young and yes. like, I don't know if naive or whatever, but like, I, I'm almost sure that that was that was uh, intentional yeah yeah well and especially when when bobby gives the line about um how he's going to take care of shelly yeah and sheriff truman tells mm-hmm. him to button it it's it's like it's like a um like bowling underline yeah, italicizing the fact that here are the cops who are the adults, and Bobby and Shelly, you guys are yeah. kids, and and you should have you, you got in way over your heads with this whole insurance scheme yeah, thing. Yeah, the whole thing. With and now you almost died. Like just button it. Just yeah. stay on yeah. the straight and narrow. Even right? the way Bobby's playing with his lighter again. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. the scene when he was talking to his dad after Laura's right. before the funeral, and you know he was kind of like a petulant child then. Yeah. And yeah, now he's, he's, he's kind he's of the back same way. This, yeah. And it does it the the when. Albert comes in. We get the return of, of Albert Rosenfield, which is always a, a wonderful thing to see. 
But he tells oh, yeah. him he he calls him a punk, and it's like, you know, we've we've been watching Bobby over the last few episodes kind of um, adopt this persona of the businessman. He's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. trying to be more suave and grown up and whatever, whatever, whatever. But he's still at at heart just this, you know, high school punk, right? Yeah. Yep. And Albert calls it like it is. Yeah. He's this, you know, yeah. he walks in and he tells the truth. He's says it like it is. So it's it's. I think you're absolutely right that it's definitely um, underscoring the fact that 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 they are naive or, or you know. Yeah, they're out of their element. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Albert comes in. Yeah. And he presents uh, information about Windermere. Basically, yeah. uh, they mm-hmm. found a map. Well, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Well, well, he's been Windermere has been sending packages all to law enforcement agencies all across the country, and uh, and they're containing they all of these uh, boxes look like letter bombs or bombs of some sort, but they end up containing just uh, pieces of what Cooper recognizes as Caroline Earl's wedding dress or pieces of her wedding attire. Um, and yet yeah, the map, I, I, maybe I missed that detail. The map that they found was, was taped under, under the table at the power station, I believe. Right. When they went to investigate the, the explosion there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's Caroline's stuff and it spells a C on the map. Yes. Literally. Right. So he's talking about Cooper and Caroline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then Albert gives the summary, which is, uh, my guess is that he won't dance with anyone but you, Coop, when right. he's talking about Wyndham Earl. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, again, it's kind of like, I, I don't know, is it really that necessary? Because we already know that Earl's coming after Cooper. Yeah, and we know that, um, I, I think I think really it just, um, everything that Cooper was saying up to this point was his guess that this was the reason why Wyndham Earl was doing all of this. But now that we have this, like, photographs of her dress and the veil and whatever else was sent. Um, it's kind of, uh, yeah, just hammering it home. Yeah. And, 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 and making it clear, clear that yeah. this is, this is the reason this is Winnemarle's motivation is all, um, cause I, I don't, I don't think he's said anything about Caroline. We had the one instance of, of Wyndham sending the tape to Cooper, but it was all about the chess game. Yeah. It wasn't about, um, there was nothing about mm-hmm. Caroline. That was all just Cooper's supposition about this. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah. So yeah. I, I think that's what the the this yeah. scene kind of yeah. serves. And then they go through it quickly. I don't feel like it's they don't belabor it or anything like that. They're just like, yeah, okay, yeah we know yeah. this is it. So yeah. Um, and they skip over the fact that it's kind of creepy that Cooper actually knows what um, Caroline's wedding yeah. dress looked like, even though he wasn't there at the wedding. Exactly. And then they just totally ignore the fact that it spells a C. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which I thought yep. when I first watched it, I'm else like, being on the nose the way it is, like they, yeah, <laughs> the one thing that actually could be explained on the nose, like they just whistle totally. right past it. Yeah, yeah. I thought maybe I'm like, oh well, maybe they didn't intend for that. Maybe it was just happenstance that it was a C. No, but it, it, it of course, of course, it's a C. <laughs> but they don't talk yeah. about it. It's yeah. so. It, it, you're right. It is really funny that they that they skip right over that. And yeah, the fact that Cooper would know. How would he know that? Maybe he saw photos. I know, Maybe but he's he, partner, like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. not the but garter. To know, but to know it that immediately. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's it All stretches. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It stretches credulity just a little, a bit. little bit. Yeah. But um. And then the scene ends with uh, Albert giving Cooper some fashion advice, which is good. I I enjoyed that. <laughs> that uh. Well, fashion <laughs> advice, but also kind of the the. It's the only kind of compliment that Albert Rosenfield is capable oh, of giving. Uh, I think about the uniform. 
Yes, Albert? Replacing the quiet elegance of the dark suit and tie with the casual indifference of these muted earth tones is a form of fashion suicide, but uh, call me crazy. I knew it works. Thank you, Albert. Um, yeah, so anything else on this scene or move on? I don't yeah, I, yeah, yeah, got okay. nothing. Uh, Again, on flannel. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, we got another long shot of some saws, didn't we? Like some yes. circular saws in the mill coming back, which we haven't seen in a while. Well, and it's going to Windermere. And it goes to Windermere, which yeah. we, I thought anyway was an interesting connection because we've previously talked about how, um, well, in the last episode, it's really clearly linking Windham with the the woods and nature. And here we have these shots of the mill again, which is um, eating nature, and, and that's its whole purpose, is to destroy nature. Mm-hmm. And then here's um, this link from the town to the woods again, via the mill. Um, and then, yeah, we get this the first introduction of Wyndham Earl um, in this episode, which is, I felt, very different from the way he was introduced in the last episode. Yep. Uh, John, would you like to jump in here? Because I know that you uh, you requested this episode specifically because you wanted to talk about Wyndham Earl. So I'm going to give you the floor here. Yeah. I think I think you yeah. you you're best equipped to deal with this subject. So. Okay. So um, I met Wyndham Earl first in the uh, in the series finale because they aired the last two episodes together. So ah. the the first thing that I ever saw of Wyndham Earl. I mean, I I kind of remembered his name because mm-hmm. they mentioned it in. Uh, well, like way back in coma, I think. Yes. Like they first started mentioning. So, like, I knew Wyndham Earl was a big deal, mm-hmm. and the name rang a bell. And the first thing you see of him is him, like, looking into the camera at Leo. Yes. Uh, he's captured Leo. He's somehow captured Major Briggs. Yeah. He looks totally menacing. You know, he's in the, the rumpled suit, just looking like really crazy they paint his face white right. they black his teeth out yes and, and you know it's like you know, he talks like this he has a very quiet kind of controlled voice yes. and you know it's like this guy is freaking scary yes yes well i mean especially for a 13 year old but you know it's like that's that's how i met one yeah and you know like lynch uh, directed the very next episode i saw him in and yeah so i mean he basically commandeers a uh, a beauty pageant mm-hmm. uh makes makes another uh, you know it's like he's already abducted two people he abducts yeah. a third before the end of that episode yeah. and then lynch directs him and yeah. pairs down his dialogue and i mean he's completely menacing the entire time of course and you know um uh uli adel i think yeah. is how they pronounce his name the yeah. the guy from last episode you yeah. know it's like they they show him and i mean they they show windham earl you know, i mean he's kind of like hello i am windham earl you know, i mean just nice controlled yeah uh he's in the rumpled suit yeah and you know it's like you don't know what this guy's up to right so then you get long johns yeah yeah and a flute yeah and a flute <laughs> Well, I mean, I could, I could deal with the flute. The sure. way they explain it in this episode, you know, being kind of like an elegant, uh, you know, the 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 weapons of the samurai. You know, yes. It's like when when weapons were outlawed, you know, they had to go with flutes and everything. I I could understand that. I mean, yeah. that would be okay. Yeah. But like, imagine if he was in a rumpled suit. Imagine if he didn't cackle like uh-huh. the Joker. I mean, yeah, you know, just yeah. imagine if if there was any restraint whatsoever mm-hmm. and. And uh, Diane Keaton, who obviously didn't get the memo of Lynch's wishes, uh, <laughs> respected the fact that whenever 
Earl was not in a uh, in a disguise. He was supposed to be seen in a suit. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, can you imagine? Yes. If any of that, I mean, I I understand Keaton's. You know, from the theater, she's all about you know Midsummer's Night Dream. I understand yeah. they were shooting for Pan and they yeah. got it. Yeah. Yeah. But Pan shouldn't be Wyndham Earl because yeah. Pan's like this force of chaos. Yeah. And Earl is supposed to be like this controlled mastermind. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, like there, there's big push pull of like what Wyndham yes. Earl is supposed to even be. I mean, everything Cooper says yeah. is supposed to be this controlled mastermind. But yeah. then we get Cesar Romero doing the Joker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is the guy whose mind is cold, hard, and brilliant like, like a diamond. Yeah. Like, no, he's he's a piece of glass who's shattered completely. Like, <laughs> yeah. he is off the wall yeah. bonkers. Yeah. It's not the same guy. No. Yep. Yeah, he, he doesn't seem to care about his consequences at all when yeah. he's doing anything. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, just, just he, he got off way on the wrong foot. And, yeah. I mean, Tim Hunter fixed it in Miss Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. but... And that's like what six episodes between exactly. now and then exactly yeah and like poor you know every other director that came after this had to see Wyndham Earl and the Long Johns you yeah. know being all wackadoo and they're yeah. like well shit now we have to <laughs> keep that up yeah <laughs> we have to work with that kind of character exactly yeah. and it would have worked if it if it had just been like you said Wyndham Earl in a suit even if it's rumpled even if he's not shaved like that yeah. that kind of fallen FBI agent kind of character yeah. mm-hmm. and his yep. character in in disguise mm-hmm. which i think yeah. is the part that kind of works in this in this episode is when he is in disguise if it had been those yeah. two kinds of the, the those were the sides of windham roll that we saw i think it would have been much more effective mm-hmm. but he's he's kind of his villainy is castrated almost in a sense because of the yes. the uh all of the craziness that we see in this episode, his costume yeah. and the, his, the, the way he talks and yeah. acts and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all because of one choice to go Shakespeare fairy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Very puckish. It's so yeah. strange. Yeah. It's so strange. It was it's, a very strange decision to make. Yeah. But um, yeah. I guess in a sense, going crazy, like if he is so seriously unhinged, that's a kind of frightening, but it doesn't come off this way. I think maybe no. that might have been what they were going for, or what what Keaton was going for, was that mm-hmm. maybe someone who is, you know, like Cooper says, he's not sure if if Wyndham Earl really was crazy or if he was putting mm-hmm. it on an act, right? Um, and now, if we see this character who is completely and totally unhinged, it does lend, or it could lend, uh, a a kind of fright to the character, but. It falls short. It, it definitely does. does. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So he, he beats up Leo. Yeah. With the flute. Yeah. It gives him the this the uh, shock the collar. shock collar, and then mm-hmm. um, and he's he's making a bunch of cat sounds. Like he calls yeah. Liam Leo the lion, and yeah. he purrs at yeah, him. Yeah, purrs at him and stuff. Feeds him gruel again. And like, yeah, and it's just mm-hmm. a it's just again like, puck stuff. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And yeah, just yeah, that kind of crazy. And, yeah. And yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a very abrupt change. Like you really yeah. do notice it. From the first introduction of him in the last episode to this is is quite a shift and yeah. it's it's noticeable. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's not much more to really say on no, this one. Not really. I mean, I, I this is when I start feeling bad for Leo, which you know, it, yeah. I think back to season one, Leo, and I'm like, I hope this guy gets what's coming to him, and now he is, and I feel kind of bad for him. Yeah. So, I guess that I don't know. There's that. that there's happens. that. Yeah. <laughs> um. um to be something um that's a reference that i'm not going to be able to back up for my life but i know in the reddit forum uh somebody asked frost if um 
if that was supposed to be a Samuel Beckett play. I, I think it was called Endgame. Oh, yeah, and yeah. It was supposed to reference that. So, like, anybody who wants to do extra homework, I'd look into that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's actually supposed to be the dynamic that was intended. Which... Yeah, having read Endgame, yeah, we read now, it, yeah. I, now I can see that yeah. I did not, I did not pick, I did up, not on pick that. up on that. I didn't get that, but yeah, um, maybe we'll we'll put yeah, that. Yeah, we can look the, back at that. Yeah, in the comments or in the, the on the SoundCloud yeah. page, but yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so yeah, uh, very next scene, we jump to Ed and Norma in bed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get a couple of. They're bemoaning the missed opportunities of the last 20 years and, and talking about where their future is headed now. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a definite shift in tone for them. Like, they're, they're finally together and, and optimistic about yeah. their relationship. Yeah. And, um, and then Nadine walks in. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> totally nonplussed by the fact that her... Well, she doesn't know he's her husband, but her beau is in bed with Norma from the diner. And mm-hmm. all she cares about is uh, losing out on the on wrestling trophy. The yeah. wrestling trophy because airplane <laughs> throws or airplane slams are illegal. Yeah. That's that's her biggest concern. Um, and which, by the way, she made it to the regional championships two days after joining yeah. the wrestling team. So well, she you is, know, she's incredible. She is she's, incredible. She's superhuman, Aiden. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Let's not overthink it too much. I, I can't help it. Sorry. Um, and then yeah, the 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 really kind of sweet thing after she gets out of bed again. Uh, she says like, "Oh, I know about you guys." Well, <laughs> like that made me laugh really hard. Yeah. Is like, yes, of course you know about them. They're in bed together yeah. with you. Um, but yeah, and then she explains that her and she, Mike together. She and Mike are together, yeah. and she doesn't care. She thinks you guys do what you want. I'm gonna be happy with Mike. And it felt um, like we've been we've been watching these two characters uh, at the very least conducting an emotional affair. Whether or not they were having any kind of physical or sexual relationship before, you know, the last couple of episodes is debated. People debate it all the time, from what I can tell. Um, so we've been kind of feeling like they, they're looking for reasons to get out of their, their respective marriages. And this, mm-hmm. like, Norma now has Hank in, in he's going back to jail, and Ed is going to have to talk to Nadine, but then Nadine walks in and basically absolves him anyway, so it felt really tidy. Well, yeah, it's another wrap-up. Yeah, it is, yeah. it is. Yeah. What's your take on that, John? Well, um, it kind of goes along with everything else. You know, yeah. it's like their um, their arc of being like this unrequited couple for mm-hmm. a while. I mean, you know, that's finally in the past, and yeah. now they can go on into the future. Yeah. So, I mean, another loose end that's kind of tied up. Yeah. And uh, I, I just think it's really kind of funny that they they changed the music cue. You know what? I know about you guys. Instead of like turning into like this cutesy music when she says, you know what? I know about you guys. Yeah. You know, like what what if they hadn't changed it to that cute cue? Right. You know, it's, what, what if she had just said that and you're like, oh, Christ. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. She's like, yeah, because she's this time bomb. You know, it's like, we don't know. Yeah. We could have kept it in suspense. And then like as she's explaining it, then put in the cute music. Yeah. 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 No, that's a really good point because it, it would have been very interesting had they had they even for five seconds yeah let you think yeah, that nadine could be, yeah <laughs> but yeah no but yeah it does it wraps it up again and it and does can yeah i mean this storyline doesn't 
completely wrap up because it continues to the it end does. of the, the end of the series. But um, for now, but a lot of the is, conflict and the tension yes, seems to have been resolved. Which, here after this, yeah, which yeah, it changes course. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, so. Um, yeah. Uh, so then we jump to the Blue Pine Lodge, and we get... I think it's the Blue Pine. I'm assuming it is, because that's where Josie's kind of yeah. stuck. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Harry and Cooper and Josie are all sitting around having coffee, talking about Jonathan. Um, which you remember from the... Uh, pre, I think it was the very last episode. Where, yeah, it was, where Harry gets the facts about the Asian men killed! Exclamation mark! Yeah. Exclamation mark! Um, and... Uh, and so he wants to know what Josie... It, it really complicates what her story is, that she, what she told Harry about her involvement and how she escaped from Jonathan. Now, finding out that Jonathan is actually dead, all of Harry's suspicions about Josie have come back to the fore, and he needs to find out more. Um, Cooper's there, I guess, for moral support, because well, he doesn't really... He, yeah. like, buggers off to go get another cup of coffee, um, which enables him to continue uh, the separate investigation that he's doing. Um, and we don't really get a lot from, from Harry and Josie, do we? No, it, it kind of dissipates mm. from that. That's not the right word. But it, it goes from that straight to Pete and Cooper. Um, I, I thought the interesting, well, it's not interesting, but it was kind of funny, was Josie asked, like, How did he die? He was shot three times in the back of the head. Um, but then, yeah, it goes to Pete in this... Uh... Well, just just hold on a okay. second, because because the way that Josie reacts to that made me wonder if maybe she didn't kill him. And maybe oh, she no. was being set up no, for no, it? No, 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 no. She's, no, she's playing Truman she's again. Playing yeah, him. oh yeah, she's... Actually, she I'm exactly. not so sure, because Eckert, the way, the way that um, he talks to her later on, oh. it basically implies, you know, it's like, oh, isn't it a shame yeah. about uh, whatever his name was? John, um, Jonathan <laughs> or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I, I actually don't think she killed this guy. Yeah, I think she's being set up. Really? I, that's what I thought immediately. Like I, I, I just don't think that at this point I don't think that Josie is scheming enough to to pretend that she doesn't know. Like I don't mm. think she she's been so uh, beaten down that she's she's just thinking about her basic survival. She's not thinking about how to contort herself around this this story that she's going to cook up about how she didn't kill him. And like I think that's genuine. I think her 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 okay. question to him is genuine. Okay. Aiden is not convinced. No, I, no, just because, I mean, you, later on in the episode, you get the physical evidence. Well, and well, I think yeah, the next okay. episode as well. So, so that, Eckhart hired a woman who looks like Josie to kill Jonathan in the airport or in the woods outside the airport. the exact same gun that she used earlier. He's Thomas I, Eckhart. I, okay. I'm just saying, to me, I... It's not the most inexplicable thing that's happened in Twin Peaks, Aiden. That's true, but I, I, I think it's fitting with Josie's character and the wow. way she uses Harry. But, I mean, I, I'm definitely... The way Eckhart talks about it, that is a good point. Because yeah. when I'm thinking about that now, like, it's almost a threat. Yeah. Saying, like, well, I offed the guy who couldn't bring you back to Hong Kong, and I'll, I'll kill you two if, right, you, right. if I need to, right? That's... Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. So, it is interesting. Um... But yeah, yeah, Pete walks in with the dry cleaning, and it's this kind of funny scene, mm-hmm. again, of yeah. he's fumbling with after, the... After Coop smells the coffee to make sure there's no there's fish There's no in fish? <laughs> yes, I love that part. Yes. Um, yeah, and Pete's going on about the, the Hungarian uh, woman behind the, the counter of yeah, the dry, the dry cleaners. cleaner. And... Um, I love the way that this shot is framed with, um, with Pete and Cooper behind the doors, but their faces yeah. in the window of the door, and the one door that just keeps swinging mm-hmm. forever, yeah. like a perpetual motion machine <laughs> in the, the, yeah. the Martell residence. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. 
it was distracting, but in a in a funny way. Like it, it what Pete's yeah. saying isn't really important. No, but it's um, it, it, it was kind of a nice a nice touch. I thought. Yeah. Like a good choice on yeah. a good directorial choice. I'll yes, say. because yeah, just... yeah, I would say that one works. Yeah. You know, there's a whole bunch of you know behind closed doors yes. kind of stuff, but that one actually works because yeah. Pete's an open book and yeah. his door keeps opening of and closing. Course. Exactly. But Cooper has the hidden motive of you know I'm going to check through these coats after Pete goes away. Yeah. So like he's got the hidden motivation. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, it's on the nose and you know not very subtle <laughs> but uh but it works it, in some it, way the, the intent is there and yeah. it actually works in this particular instance yeah. yeah and it does lead to yeah like cooper going through the clothing and snipping some fibers from one mm. of the coats and he takes a glove i think from the gloves yeah or the gloves from uh that were also dry cleaned and i wondered why he seems to he seems very purposeful in this like he intended to take the clothes and and do all this it doesn't seem like it happened organically for him like he's like oh hey i'm gonna like why why does he why does he go after that i was just wondering oh well, because did the vicuna miss... coat so he spots right. the vicuna coat there and he thinks oh josie's that lines up and then he also takes the glove knowing that yeah. someone had been killed well that jonathan had been killed like oh, he, I guess. he's suspecting yeah, yeah, yeah. Josie the whole time. Right, think, right, right. Okay, so, so do you think that he's that he's going after this to try and like I feel like he's forgotten that he was shot. I think we've forgotten that he was shot. Like it's it's well, yeah. <laughs> um it's happened so long ago now in in our minds. Yeah. And he's so focused on who killed Jonathan now and he's suspecting Josie. So is that why he's going through her things to try and collect evidence for that and not necessarily I think it's both. You think it's both? Yeah. I think Cooper's on like both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that scene, really. Yeah. There's not much else to... Um, oh, there. no, but then um, Pete gets a call uh, for yes. Josie. Josie picks up, and it's <laughs> Eckhart on the other line. Um, wearing his sunglasses. Wearing yeah. like his sunglasses. Last episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Can't have a bad guy without sunglasses. Well, on. no, right? And uh, especially one that makes a sound when you take yeah. it. Yeah. Great <laughs> fully work on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Eckhart and Josie have a little conversation. Um, we find out that, uh, well, Catherine's listening in on the other line, so she knows that Eckhart is now in Twin Peaks, so her plan mm -hmm. that she put into place with Andrew is working. Um, and then Eckhart and his assistant uh, have a little chat in Afrikaans, so they're... they're one or both of them are South African. Yeah. And I thought it was... Because David Warner does affect a kind of a South African accent in this scene. But in the next scenes that he's in, it kind of disappears. It's back to being a more, you know... Yeah. yeah it's just, just an English accent. But... Um, yeah, and I don't... Do they, do they ever bring back the Afrikaans? Do they ever... Well, I think his assistant speaks it again. Oh, okay. Speaks in Afrikaans again, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, Anything so... else about that scene? <laughs> <laughs> no. Not really. Because um, then we jump to the Great Northern and we get the the uh, the start of the wrap-up of Ben's descent into Civil War madness. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I just love these scenes between uh, Russ Tamblin and Richard Boehmer because it's it's like, and especially with this great theatrical set, it's just like watching West Side Story, but, you know, 25 years yeah. well. 30 years, 30 years later, later. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah Jerry I, th I thought this was an interesting thing because Uncle Jerry is there and he wants to leave Ben the way he is and Audrey has 
really stepped up her game and, and she's like, Let me tell you something, Uncle Jerry. We leave him the way he is and I become the executor of the estate. Well, Audrey, it's a little more complicated than that, No, sweetheart. it isn't. I've examined his will, Jerry. If my father becomes incapacitated, it all goes to me when I'm old enough. And I am old enough, dear, and he is incapacitated. Play my way either way. We're the only project you'll be developing is selling baseboard heaters at the local cash and carry. What's happened to the man is a tragedy. It is a tragedy, Jerry. I mean, it's once again Jerry being completely hapless in the face of any sort of resistance well, or problem. Well, yeah, hapless and also just um, he's in it for his own interests, right? He, he's... Yeah. You know, yeah, he has sure. no alter. He doesn't want to save the business. He just wants to, you know, yeah, take it over and, and and do what he wants to do. All of his business. Yeah, but it, yeah, but as soon as someone yeah. poses the slightest mm-hmm. uh, obstruction to that, he just gives in. You yeah. know, like yeah, exactly. So I'm, well, yeah. I also think that I mean Audrey, like this this version of Audrey since um, since the wrap up of the whole Leland thing. Yeah. Um, like everybody got a character reset mm-hmm. and. I love this version of Audrey. I mean, I realize that it has zero, um, zero influence of like her and Ben's relationship from before. Right. You know, I mean, it, it completely ignores that, which is, I mean, it, it's kind of a cardinal sin, I admit, but yeah. uh, I, uh, I'm willing to look the other way just based on how much of uh, his daughter she is in these yes. kind of situations. I yeah. mean, you know, she just, she just lays down the law. I oh, don't yeah. think that. Uh, I don't think Jerry sees like minimal resistance with her. I yeah. think he sees, you know, it's like, oh man. <laughs> this, well, I'm, I'm dealing with this, my brother's daughter now. Yeah, like sure. this is not little yeah. Audrey Horn. This is, you know. Yeah, she's yeah. a force to be reckoned with. Yes. And I, I do like that a lot because, and, and I know Sherilyn Fenn also um, has said, I think I was reading it in Reflections as well, that she really liked or was really pushing for that angle that she was going to mm-hmm. be this grown up businesswoman almost. And that was going to be yeah. the angle that she took. And um, and I think it does work. It it is troubling, and when you see it in later scenes, the way that she and Ben kind of interact with one another, um, it does harken back. Like it, it it was only a couple of weeks earlier that that he she found out that he was you know running one eye jacks, and and that mm-hmm. whole thing happened. Um, but I guess it's it's kind of I don't want to say it's forgiven, but it's almost like this situation for whatever reason. Uh, supersedes that and now it's like there's more important things to deal with which i i, I, don't, I don't know what yeah no i yeah i mean audrey yeah you're you're right uh the 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 character reset on audrey is pretty strong mm-hmm. for for this half of the season um but again yeah i think this there are hints there were hints of this earlier i mean just the 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 strength with which she approached the investigation uh, of One-Eyed Jacks and all that. She was always headstrong, and and now sure. that now that Laura's murder has been solved, and Cooper and her are no longer an item, she's got to direct this somewhere, and yeah. she's directing it to her business. Yeah, and, her business and, and her keeping her father. And everything like that. Yeah, which... well, um, yeah, because she doesn't have much else, and I think that's kind of been pointed out to her throughout the show is that mm-hmm. she really she was always looking for something to occupy her, occupy her, and and something that she could devote herself mm-hmm. to, and and now that Cooper's no longer an option. Uh, she's really left with just the family, especially now. Her father's always been strong and and you know, in charge, and now he's basically a helpless. Yeah, there's a vacuum there, so she kind of fills it, and yeah. and it works. I think it works yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, and it feels natural too, in just the way that the last few episodes with her dealings with Bobby, 
um, kind of shutting him down romantically at every step because she's only interested in the business. It does flow yeah. nicely. Like I think they they did give more um, more thought to her character than maybe I previously thought they did. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and yeah, there's the you know some more funny bits with Ben directing a marching. Yeah, band. he's enlisted all of his employees <laughs> at the hotel to be like his troops, mm-hmm. yeah. which I think is hilarious. Yeah. The fact that they just go along with it, and this is in the lobby of the Great Northern, <laughs> yes, is it not? Yeah. So like, where are one the, of the major hallways? Have yeah. they shut down the the whole the whole hotel because no one can see Ben like this, right? He can't go out in public. They even say that like he can't go out in public like this, right? So it just it it's just so ridiculous and over the top, and he's sitting on a stuffed horse. Yep. And like mm-hmm. and and Bobby's playing the trumpet very badly. Well, you can't even call it playing. <laughs> no, just blowing Christ. into a trumpet. Yeah. Yes. And there's another repeat of the whole uh, Dixie Dixie yeah. song. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Johnny is there in his full you know headdress and wailing like you know when instead of singing, singing and yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. it's very absurd. But we we both uh, um, have talked in uh, over the course of this this Civil War storyline that um, we really enjoy it. I don't know, John. Where do you fall on the whole Civil War thing? Well, I'm okay with it yeah. overall. I yeah. mean, I, I realize there's you know the whole slavery angle and yeah. all that. I mean, there there's that. But at the time, um, you know, like when this was on, mm-hmm. uh, PBS was showing the Ken's uh, the Ken Burns yes. uh, miniseries, the Civil right. War. I mean, it, this was like a huge thing yeah. that like everybody knew about. Everybody yeah. was talking about it, yeah. and I mean that. Just, just the fact that it was so in the face of America at the mm-hmm. time, it, it just kind of made sense that that's what they picked. Yeah. Plus, Mark Frost is kind of fascinated with history. Of course, yeah, yeah. So, no, it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's okay. Like that's, that's exactly how we feel about it. Really, is yeah. that it's, it's kind of okay. Yeah, of all the season two storylines that get wrapped up in this episode or the previous episode with Little Nikki, this is the one we kind of appreciated the most. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and Ben is great the the actors are really good in these scenes and stuff so it's it's enjoyable to watch so i think which you can't say about where we go next yeah (laughs) no (laughs) we go back to wally's although this is the scene aiden that you said you really liked and and it is it is mm -hmm. one of the better ones really is a strong term that i do not feel comfortable using here i i did not mind it and it's only because evelyn appears to be pretty hammered uh, when, yeah. when Donna walks in and drunk Evelyn seems like a lot more fun than <laughs> sober Evelyn, mm-hmm. sober Evelyn uh, because she's just like she's lippy and like um, I don't know her mannerisms are more relaxed and everything yeah. even like it seems like the actress yeah is finally like she can smile a little bit yeah and it's not that menacing predatory smile that she kind well, of gave just, James she's just not wooden anymore yeah. like this is this is literally a live up, yeah. character now yeah. who's interacting with Donna and um <clears throat> Donna is asking, like, why are you doing this? And please don't do this. And and doing her Donna thing where she's yeah. just, like, begging mm-hmm. all the time for, you know, on the verge of tears the entire scene, really. Um, but she does give one of the best lines, I think, in the whole... Uh, Evelyn's story? Well, that Donna's ever given, in my opinion, where she says, You really like to make everything sound pointless and stupid, don't you? And it was just like... <laughs> Um, it's like this total callback to everything we've seen Evelyn and James do. It is all totally pointless and stupid. It was like they were just giving Donna the, the yeah, voice. Of the audience. The audience has been <laughs> thinking like, the entire time. Thank God, Donna. You said it. <laughs> um, but anyway, she Donna does not have any sway here. And Malcolm comes in and manhandles Donna. Threatens and to kill her, yeah. Threatens to kill her. And then Donna, you know, 
screams and says, don't do, don't do this. this. Again, it's just very, yeah, like the melodrama and the soapy aspects of it are very much Ugh. on on Very strong. Play on force. Yeah. So did, did you have anything, John? Did you want to say anything about this? I just find the whole thing just bizarre. Like when when Malcolm gets a hold of that, or wait a minute, <laughs> we're we're uh, we're ahead of things. Did um did Malcolm come in on this scene, or is this uh? Yeah, Malcolm it... Malcolm comes in at the very end, I think. Yeah, and just like to take take, take Evelyn away because yeah. the car is oh, ready. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 And yeah, so yeah, there's not much there. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, there isn't. I didn't even put that part in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how little we care. Yeah. It's just a one-line yeah. throwaway scene. Yeah. Um, but we do get the next scene, and just have to say it again, Miguel Ferrer is is fantastic as Albert Rosenfield. I would yes. happily watch a whole, just just the Albert show. Yeah. Um, because he is brilliant, and I and I love the scene where he's. So I'm guessing this is, it feels like this is the kind of thing that would take a bit longer for him to analyze, but he's already got the fibers and and has compared them to the fibers that uh, were pulled up from the carpet outside of Cooper's room the night that he was shot, and they're a match. Um, and he also has, um, he's looking at the gloves for powder, uh, I guess gunpowder residue. Yeah, they'll have it the next day. And yeah. then the bullets from Seattle... He's Jonathan guessing will match, match up with the ones that were pulled from Cooper's vest. So, mm-hmm. um, and he summarizes that our sheriff's got a problem with his girlfriend. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's again, it's another little plot moving scene more than anything. But right, yeah. but it it is yeah. a nice it is a nice welcome back for for Albert to be. I mean, Albert does take on that role. He's like he and Hawk really are the ones who come into the scene and they deliver you know, grand pieces of plot or fit the pieces together in a way. Like, they're, we don't get to see them doing the investigating. We just hear the results of the investigation, which is fine. I mean, I I like it a lot because it's Albert. Um, but it does seem like it's, again, it's just pushing the plot forward now and, and, and leading us towards the eventual confrontation that, um, that Cooper knows is coming, I think. Yeah. But he yeah. wants to be the one to, t- to talk to Harry first, which I think is a sign of the friendship that they have and, and how deep it goes. And yeah. yeah, but then then on the other hand, I mean, he doesn't tell the hardest truth to Harry. No, he doesn't. You know? he, he just kind of sits on it. Yeah. You know, he, he should, like, if, if he was a real friend, if he was, uh, if he was the Cooper from before uh, the end of the Leland thing, I mean, yeah. it would be, he, he would be telling Harry. He would say that so. this is, you know, this is where we're at. I am sorry, yeah. but this is actually true. And yeah. like, you know, instead we get the version that's in the autobiography of Cooper book. Yeah, yeah. And and so, I mean, do you want to do you want to give that real quick? Aiden hasn't read the book, yeah. so. <laughs> uh, I, I don't believe that's the actual Dale Cooper. Yeah. Okay. But, but that's that's what it comes down to for yeah. me. It's like he doesn't have the intuition. He doesn't have the. Uh, the empathy for people. He's just like very much an Asperger's kid. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like there's, yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I feel like there's elements of that that pop up, like from basically this point all the way to the end of the series almost. Yeah. yeah. Where Cooper just misses his intuition entirely. Yeah. And yeah. there's another real obvious one, like right at the end of this episode that yeah. we'll get to. Yeah. But yeah, like just, all right. It, it kind of offends me. And it's like as much of a bromance that they have, Cooper and Harry, um, 
like I, I think he would just come clean with him at this point. Yeah, yeah. That's I a agree. that's a, that is a good point, and um, and it does signal like we we talked about character resets, and I think that it's less mm-hmm. a it's it's not a hard reset of Cooper's character, but it definitely is a change for him, and and I do have to wonder how much of it is because of the distraction or how occupied he is with the Wyndham Earl thing, because he goes into Coop's or he. Cooper goes into Truman's office, and it seems like he's going to tell him, but um, Truman ends up telling him instead that the transient's name last name was Powell, which was Caroline's last name, uh, maiden, maiden name. Um, and then he, he kind of gets distracted a bit. Like, it's almost like um, the things that, that are... The, the character things that we want him to do mm-hmm. are shoved to the side in favor of because of the fact that he's so um, distracted, for lack of a better word, by by what's or so occupied by what is happening with Wyndham Earl, so I'm, I I don't know. Like I mean, if that's the case, then it's it it kind of makes sense that his character would kind of deviate from that because this is this is something that is very dangerous, and he does seem very worried about what Wyndham Earl is going to be doing and and how this is going to play out. But is That's it enough? Tricky. Is it yeah. enough for him to to completely ignore? You I know, I don't, I don't know. So yeah, I I, I I still don't buy it. Yeah, it feel it feels like, yeah. I mean, I mean, he says to Albert before he leaves that not a word of this until mm-hmm. we're absolutely sure, which I guess yeah. is reason enough to not bring it up right then. But even when he does get confirmation, which isn't the next, so we won't go into too much of that. But uh, you know, he still doesn't really tell. Yeah, him. yeah. So mm-hmm. it's. Yeah, yeah. There, there's more of a delay, like, yeah. what, two episodes yeah, from now? Like, exactly. it, it's, he sits on, I, I could kind of understand what you're saying, and in the short term, I think you're right, but, like, it just keeps getting further and yeah. further yeah. stretched yeah. out. And, yeah. eh, and the, and the uh, longer that goes, the, the less um, the less I buy that, that yeah. he's... And it seems like he's less of a friend, really. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He, he could talk to Truman and prep him for what's coming with... Josie yeah. and, and say, or okay, present we'll get the evidence this. and be like, here, logically, yes. this is what this is what we're What's dealing with. Happening, but he doesn't yep. do that. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. It's it is not. a troubling moment for there. There are a few troubling moments that we've had with with Cooper's decisions in the last little while. So, um, yeah, it, it is. I think related to this whole idea of the character reset that that yeah. maybe they didn't know. But, but I think they wanted to change Cooper's character a little bit and grow him. Um, to a certain extent, because um, well, I, I mean, know. if you lead up to the to the end of the series, mm-hmm. the the Cooper that comes that faces the the final uh, dilemma of of mm-hmm. the of the series um, mm-hmm. is not if if you just went on the Cooper that was in the pilot in yeah. season one, you would never expect the outcome that you get at the end of the series. No. So I think they were yeah. building to that and, and adding some some drama and some some uh, I don't know some. Just complexities or, and tensions yeah. to, to Cooper's character. So I, I feel like this one is probably less earned than all this. I mean, all the stuff with Wyndham Earl is great because it really does feel like Cooper's scared and mm-hmm. uh, not yeah. 100% knowledgeable and not in control. Mm-hmm. Um, but then things like this are a little less a little less earned, I feel yeah. like. They, they don't feel like um, they mesh as well with the with the rest of his character that does stay to, it's, consistent. It's harder to reconcile, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, Truman says, "Oh well, well." Cooper's very upset about Wyndham Earl and and the chess game, and Cooper, he reiterates says, that he's never he's never won a game against Wyndham, and so Truman's like, "Well, we've got a, a chess <laughs> master, master, grandmaster, yeah. grand wizard." I don't, 
<laughs> I never remember which one it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, the, and they go to the double R, and there's Pete playing three games of chess, one against Toad, one against Cooper, and one against uh, Doc, Doc Hayward. And, and he checkmates them all in yep. the same same turn. And it's it's pretty mm. impressive. It's He's not the guy that you would expect to be a chess master. Yeah. And I so, love that I love a couple of things. A that he's playing Toad, yeah. and that Toad lasted just as long as the other two players, um, and then that he he owes it all to I don't know who this chess player is. I imagine he was, I, well I don't know if I don't it's know a real guy. A real guy or we know nothing so. about chess. But. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I love that he 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 learned everything he learned from chess was yeah. from this, this one, one guy. player, and and like yeah, he's just he's romanticized this this chess playing guy. Um, like Pete has such a. He's such a he's played for such simplicity, and then he comes up with something like this, yeah. and you're just like, well, yeah, it still works because Pete, of course, he's that simple and pure that yeah, of course, he learned chess from a Spanish grandmaster of yeah. some sort, right? And you know, so yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> anything you wanted to add about the the chess match? No, I just love that scene. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Well, and it's Jack Nance like yeah. playing Pete with such glee and yeah. such. Yeah. I think that's that's fantastic. Yeah, there aren't many gleeful characters in Twin Peaks. So and, and when he Pete's really there... is very yeah, he's he's just he's a simple guy. He, yeah. he takes pleasure in in a good game of chess, yeah. and I buy it. So yeah, um, but but Cooper does tell him without telling him that he needs to uh, he needs to stalemate the game, losing as few pieces as possible or none at all if it can be managed. And yeah. and Pete's like, okay, yeah, I would be happy to serve. So now we've got this this alliance now between Cooper and yeah. Pete, which um, lasts for a few episodes, which is great. Yep. Um, still staying in the diner, we get um, Shelly walking in and asking for her job back because uh-huh. she feels she'll be safer in the diner with Leo out in the world. Um, which, okay, fine. I think it's just, you know, it's nice that she's back in the diner, though. Like, I don't yeah. care about why she wants to be no, there. Yeah, it's, it's just, just nice that her she's... Her and Norma have that nice Yeah, it's, it's yeah. been missed. I, I didn't realize how much I missed it until I saw them together again. And then it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, these two were really good together, yeah. so... Yeah. yeah, the scene is absolutely fantastic between those two ladies. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about the ice cream cone? Uh... <laughs> I, I tried not to think of it when I was it. <laughs> they, they, they work on polishing it together. Yeah, I didn't didn't want to go into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, they're, yeah, I love the two of them. They're, they're so sweet. I'll, I'll give up anything the director wants to throw in between them. So really, <laughs> don't care. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and then... Uh, we go for there because Truman also arrives to talk to Norm as well. Well, Truman's um, there with Cooper the whole time. Oh yeah, right? that's right. So, yeah, he's yeah but... with Pete. Yeah, and then um, yeah. yeah, but he pulls her aside, and again you have that framed through the through the window of, uh, and that one's really awkward. Like he, they're, they're really, really close, close together. Truman. Like Truman and her are not that close. Yeah. I would feel, <laughs> uh, and yeah, it just explains that Hank can go to prison because they're going to charge him with uh, attempted murder of Leo, yeah. and he's going away for a long time, and Norma's happy about that. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they tied another plot thread yeah. closed, yeah. and yeah. Um, the the only note I have written down is behind closed doors, subtle. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it is very, very as subtle as a hammer to the head. Yeah. We get back to the Blue Pine Lodge, and we have Eckhart arriving <sighs> and startling Josie at the door, which is <clears throat> um, I thought it was really effective. Okay, so Aiden and I were talking about this too right before, and John, we'd like your input on this as yeah. well, because um, in the last episode, Windermere being introduced in the cabin and Eckhart being introduced at the fireplace, 
They're yeah. almost on equal footing in different ways. They're introduced as, as villains that mm-hmm. seem to be equally as evil or, or as menacing. And then yeah. we've got this drop for Wyndham Merle, but we still have this, this um, like Eckhart still carries this, this great menace with him because of Josie's reaction, I think, more than anything. Yeah, I, don't know, I could buy that. Yeah. Um, because, and, and to find out that Catherine has invited him for dinner and that she's plotted this whole thing, it, yeah, like, it, may, it makes Catherine a villain again, too, yeah. in a way that she, yes. she hasn't really been for a while. For a while now, yeah. So It's really one it. of the worst moments of villainy in the whole series. I mean, you know, there, there's the whole making her the house slave, right. for one thing. But then, like, this just kind of continues that. Uh-huh. In a, like in a way that dehumanizes uh, Josie so much, too. So much, yeah. This scene is really yep. disturbing to it me. It is. The way they oh, talk absolutely. about her. Yeah. Because they, they yeah. like, compare her to an animal. Like, Eckhart says, oh, you can lose Josie. Or They don't even say her name. They're no. just talking about her, like, she's not yeah. even in the room. They say her or it. Yeah. And and he says, yeah. well, you could just get a pet, you know? Yeah, because, that, yeah. To replace her yeah. when I take her back mm-hmm. with me, right? And it's, and Josie can hear everything. Like, they, they're not yeah. even hiding it. It's so, like, yeah, it's that, so gross. It's the cruelest thing. And then... The, the thing that tops it off for me is the end of the scene when uh, they ask for the, the main course and Josie turns around and it's a pig's head. Yeah. Which I think, yeah. you know, is obviously supposed to be kind of her. Like, there's, she's serving herself up on a, on a silver platter, literally filled with fruit. Yeah. Um, to, these, to these people who are going to treat her like, who already have been all seen treating her like a piece of meat and like yeah. a commodity to be traded. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, Josie's head is, is, on, <laughs> is on the table here for them to, to barter for. And it's... Yeah, and it's really, like, a really... I mean, I didn't really like this scene watching it, but it is a really great um, mixing of the visual and the and the, the dialogue and the th- themes and everything and the way the characters... I mean, the, uh, the thing that kind of bugged me was the way uh, Eckert and Catherine were delivering their lines. It was very quick, very um, mm-hmm. kind of... It almost felt like a stage play again well, more than... Well, that's something that yeah. I think... Um, I don't remember where I read it, but, but Piper Laurie said that... Um, working with Diane Keaton, who, and John, you mentioned this as well, that she had this energy. She was very nervous, and she had this nervous energy, and it felt like that was kind of coming through in this scene. And I mm-hmm. read that Piper Laurie picked up on a lot of that or, or felt that her lines were being delivered in that way mm. because of the nervous energy that Diane Keaton brought to the set. Hmm. So it is it sense, is yeah. different because Catherine usually is very calm and cool and and collected even when like in that earlier scene in season one where she realizes mm-hmm. that they've taken out a life insurance policy on her she's still yeah. like very controlled yeah even yeah. if she's losing think, complete think, control you know uh, yeah just just the way she would say think 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 yeah. you know so, you know she just just like you know she had the the hyper focus going yes, on exactly and here it seems much more scattered like she's talking to Eckhart and then yep. she's talking to Josie and then she's talking to Eckhart and we'll have our wine now and why do you do you yeah. know you know like it's very yeah. it's it's a different Catherine, but it's a nervous. It it feels. Yeah, the, the whole the energy scene is different. feels nervous, yeah. and and I yeah. don't know if, but it, everybody does it. Even Eckhart mm-hmm. responds quickly, and and he when he grabs Josie's hand and stuff, it's it's very kind of, I don't know. It's it's a scene that requires a lot of like careful, uh, pacing and timing, and right. they did that. So I I don't feel like this was just a single actor responding. I feel no, like no, no. Yeah, Diane yeah. Keaton like said, like, no, we want to get through this scene this particular way. 
Oh, yeah, um, no, for sure. And I think it works to make Josie... It really isolates Josie. Josie doesn't have anything to say. Yeah. She just kind of trembles at the sight of Eckerd, and then she's preparing the meal and chopping and, you know, maybe even getting close to cutting herself and, and, and stuff like that. So yeah. it feels yeah. it feels like a... It's a great scene for, again, isolating Josie and making her feel like someone who has no agency, no voice. Mm-hmm. And that's really mm-hmm. what this scene's all about, and I think it does it well, actually. So Yeah. I've, I've got kind of this pet theory that everybody treats Josie like she's the Millennium Falcon. You know, it's like she's not she's not ever seen as a person. You know, it's like no. Harry, you know, he, he loves her. You know, it's like first thing he does every single time he sees her, ravages her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and like the way they're, the way Catherine and, uh, and, um, and uh, Eckerd are talking about her, you know, it's almost like the card game with, between Han and Lando, you know, yes. like who's going to win her. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. No, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. And that, that is such a great way of, yeah. of putting it, that she is this valuable thing, but she's not a person. Mm-hmm. And that is, yeah. that's literally exactly what, I mean, in the, in the previous episode, I think they refer to her as um, a piece of business. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here they're talking about her like she's something to be traded. It's really unfortunate because I, as we've said in season one and in the early part of season two, Josie was such a strong female character. I thought mm-hmm. that, that she was, and then to see her reduced in this way. Um, yep bothers me a lot as a as a feminist and as a, a well, but I think someone it, who likes Josie a lot. I think it makes but... I think it works to make Catherine and yeah. Eckhart and uh, uh Catherine's brother. Andrew. I always forget his name. Jeez. Yeah. Andrew it makes them all seem like villains again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. I mean yeah I mean it would which kinda of taints Pete a little bit in my mind because he just kinda of jumps in with this. Um but he's not he's not an active agent in it. But but yeah, it definitely it works to make them bad guys again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and that's that, that works for the rest of the series really. So Well Pete really is an active agent when it comes to Josie. I mean like I mean those two are pretty much tight, you know. Yeah, I mean yeah. like even even in Fire Walk with me, they have a scene together. Yes, you know, I mean yeah. you know, just but, you know, he's totally on board with the whole fact that she's the housemaid. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and he doesn't seem uh, all that bothered by it either. Yeah, I mean, right? he, he said it in the last episode. He had They had a little bit of a tiff about it. Or was it two episodes? Again? Yeah. I don't remember. But, yeah, they had him and uh, Catherine had a little bit of a, a coming together because he's like, well, you're being a little harsh on her. But Catherine, you know, explains her side of the story, and Pete just kind of goes along with it. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's. I think Pete, being you know Pete, he's he's not going to stand up to Catherine. No, I don't think that's... he's ever really stood up to Catherine. So yeah, he's he's probably. I think that's why he and Josie maybe are are so close. Is that they both react to Catherine the same way. They can't really stand up to her. So yeah. they that's their link. Um, I I don't know. It's it's. Yeah. No, it's it is what it is. It, yeah. yeah, it's a. Yeah, it's an interesting but it, scene. but in the scene it is it is yeah like you said it's it cements these two as um, as villains mm-hmm. and Josie is their pawn yep. another pawn another pawn mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. a show filled with pawns great I am surprised they didn't show a chess piece with yes yeah, exactly yeah. I was just thinking the same thing that would have been a great moment to just have like you know yeah. <laughs> another yeah, close up shot of a chicken they're flying free and everywhere why not <laughs> yeah, yeah why not uh, so yeah we go back to Evelyn and. Uh, the Marsh residence, I guess, and uh, and James mm-hmm. literally just barges in out of nowhere and immediately demands answers, which I re- really stretched credulity for me. Oh man, me. I, I just yeah. all I did in this scene was laugh. I just <laughs> laughed at how terrible the dialogue was and how terrible everyone delivered it. Mm. Just the overall 
poor quality of the scene. I literally, that's all I did. I laughed about four or five times mm-hmm. and then I groaned for the rest mm-hmm. of it. Um, until, I, except for the twist, well, it's not really a twist, but th- at the end when Malcolm comes in and, and pistol whips James and knocks yeah. him out. Um, yeah. I thought that was, well, okay, I stopped groaning and I started paying attention again. I guess that's, like, I'm not going to say it was interesting because it wasn't, because you could see it coming, but yeah. at the same time, uh, it, it added something because you get a little bit of Evelyn's reluctance. Uh, well, more of it, because she, she's already shown that she i mean in in setting him free i guess and saying you got to get out of here she is showing that she cares about him i buy that that she cares about Mm -hmm. him a little bit or at least cares enough that she doesn't want to see him go down for this for this murder and and she does have the interesting speech where she's like well you want to know why and then she gives him three reasons which is like i i wanted to do it i did it for the money i did it because um i hated my husband i think and i did it because i loved you and I think those are the three. I don't know. I was really not paying attention. But, but she she's, basically... she's like, I'm not a good person and you are. Yeah. And that's, I think, the driving... Yeah. The, it's the most honest thing that she says. Yes. Is that I'm not a good person, but James, you yeah. are. Um, and I'm so it... Delivery through the whole thing. Like, she did actually a really amazing speech in that whole thing. Yeah. I, I felt like that was probably her best acting all series. Yeah, yeah. And, and then it ends with, well, I like how you taste too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh my god! Yeah, I know, I, I know. About that line. It really does, yeah, because it, it it brings you up to a place and then just drops you on your head. You're just like, oh no, yeah. James, keep your mouth shut, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's really it's like, bad. Would you would you actually want to kiss somebody if somebody delivers a line like that? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you know, no. it's like you're just ready to kiss the person, and then they say something like that. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the mood's let's over. Try to get the food back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so true so true um and the the scene does go into this slow motion thing which um i uh was just notice notable i guess in the sense that it reminded me of well maddie's death scene mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and uh it it's yeah it it's, well here it really doesn't make much sense i i thought i, I thought the dvd was broken when i was watching it. i'm like oh, oh no really? is, is uh, it skipping it because i looked down for my notes and when i looked up it was doing this oh, this slow motion effect yeah. and i was like oh no um it works better in the the next scene yeah. when when there's an actual murder being committed right well, I, sort of kind of yeah like i Somebody in the editing department should have said, you know, it's like we we only we only do this for important deaths, right. you know, yeah. you know, show them show them Jean Reno's death, you yes. know, that that that's how we should film this one, Diane. Yeah, 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 Ugh. yeah. In the mm-hmm. that, maybe that's the contrast that 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 was so jarring for me is that I remembered it from that horrific scene of of Leland killing Maddie, and then here yeah. it's it's misapplied. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it even has the vocal slowdown yes. when Maddie's crying and yes. Bob's screams were like going on top of each other. Like they're yeah. using that with Malcolm's voice distortion. Yeah, exactly. You know, come on. Yeah, it doesn't. I, it doesn't. Does not feel earned at all. No. Like this. This plot does not deserve that. That cinematic mm. flair. Nope. Um, and it and like Aiden said, it does come back and so they use it twice in this episode in the same storyline, which is is unfortunate, but. Yep, uh, but, but in between those, we do come to uh, back to the Great Northern. back to the Great Northern and the end of Ben's Civil War story. Yes, so we've um, we've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about how every time we've seen Ben, the the sets and the costumes just get more and more elaborate, and here we have his office basically turned into a stage production of the the Battle of uh, or 
well, I the guess Appomattox I, yeah. uh, strategy mm-hmm. is what uh, Jacoby calls it. Um, and it and this is another thing that just um, referencing Brad Dukes's book a lot in this episode, but um, but I think Richard Boehmer said that he is one of the things that he clashed with Diane Keaton about quite strongly because he didn't feel like this was a natural progression, like there wouldn't be this kind of great big set almost that this drama would play out against. Um, yeah, and everyone's in costume and like like even yeah. though there's like you know background paintings and stuff yeah. and a spotlight mm. like it is very theatrical um yeah. but i don't mind it i, yeah, I, I don't mean, think it's that bad yeah i i, I like yeah. the, ben ben plays it very well um when he's giving mm. his speech and trying to talk to <laughs> general grant in the form of jacoby <laughs> yeah. uh is you know i think that that works well and, well, jacoby and all, all the other actors and, yeah, yeah like like jerry calling him sire instead of sir mm-hmm. and you know, flooding yeah. their lines and the, uh, and the Confederate flag falling down yeah. between yes. uh, Jacoby exactly. and, and Ben, like just like all the things that are going wrong. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously this is a slipshod play going. Oh on. yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a grade school production yeah. of you know the surrender of well the north the surrender somehow, of the yeah. north. Yeah. So and 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 yeah, I mean it's it's and it's even got Bobby, you know, who once again I I I, I guess he paid attention in his history classes. Because he does say, he's like, didn't the South win, or didn't the North win the Civil War? And Audrey kind of whacks him with her handbag. And um, it's 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 a very comedic moment yes. um, that leads up to once once the North has been surrendered, Ben collapses, and we get this, this wonderful homage to the Wizard of Oz, which, again, John, you wanted to talk about this, so we'll hand that over to you. Oh, just, just the fact that... Um... That just falls under what Keaton was referencing, you know, mm-hmm. like she's trying to reference uh, the old Hollywood stuff again. Right. And like she um, just uh, like the way like she she tries to reference within without Twin Peaks and within right. and like the, the referencing Maddie's murder. And yeah. then there was a uh, there was another scene earlier that uh, I almost forgot about, too. Like, when uh, when the bartender's talking to James and Donna, yes. and they keep moving and moving, you know, <laughs> and then the, the bartender's still there. That's almost yes. like referencing Pete and Catherine's scene in the yes, season one finale, exactly. where they have to put the blinds and everything. Exactly. So this just falls under... Uh, the the Wizard of Oz thing just falls under that where like Keaton was really just referencing the hell out of anything she could think of. Right. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, it also uh, reminded me of of the other points where David Lynch himself references the Wizard of Oz quite often throughout his works too. We had yeah, that's the, true. The the Good Witch in um, uh, uh, Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Dorothy in Blue Velvet and. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there yeah, there's a it, more, all yeah. over the place, the, the whole yeah. Wizard of Oz motif that he draws on a lot. So it, it felt like, yeah, so she, so Diane Keaton drawing on old Hollywood, but also drawing on, on Lynch's, um, I guess his own. You know, Lynch, the things Lynch would yeah. really like too. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like yeah. she was making an episode thinking like, what would David Lynch like to see? Or what would David Lynch, mm-hmm. um, what would he do here? What would, you know? In in some yeah. in some instances, and this was this was one of them, because um, yeah, Ben wakes up and he has the whole, oh, the, I had this amazing dream and yeah. you were there and, and you were there, there and you were there mm-hmm. and it's 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 kind of cute. Um, 
it does it's the the one that kind of was jarring for me um thinking about like ben holding audrey's hand and like you know seven days ago you were almost you know ready to pounce on your daughter at one eye jacks and now it's Mm -hmm. like it 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 threw that back at me a little bit um the juxtaposition of that kind of was jarring but but it still felt like it, I'm glad this story was over because it seems like yeah. like Ben is has turned a corner almost, and and you wonder mm-hmm. what kind of person he's going to be. I mean, he's now General Lee, who won the Civil War for the Confederate States. Um, so maybe is he going to be a good guy, or is he going to be, you know? But but this is his this is his big turn, and mm-hmm. and the end of his yeah. psychosis is is. And yeah. Jacoby's right in there. He just yeah. wants to know. I mm-hmm. think for his future book, like, do you have any dizziness? How are you feeling? <laughs> it's 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 a great moment for them. Yeah. Yeah. So then we go back to uh, Wyndham Earl's cabin. Yes. And uh, he's getting into costume. Yes. As Leo is sitting at a, a kid's desk. Yes. Um, but that's appropriate size appropriate still somehow for for Leo. Um, and he's he's telling Leo to write out a note, um, and I this really made me feel bad for Leo because he has such bad brain damage that he can't even like write. Well, and plus anymore. he's being shocked every time yeah. he does something wrong, so he's scared yeah. and his hands are shaking and yeah. like it's it's. Um, I hesitate to say I feel bad for Leo because I feel like, and really? this sounds really horrible, it. but like he kind of deserves it. Well, yeah, but when we know that. Heard but. every ounce of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. But um. But yeah, it, it does seem like, and you and you don't know what they're writing, what he is making him write. Um, but we know by the end of the scene that he he tears the finished work into three strips, and he makes references to um, which one will be the queen. And you see the three pictures my of queen, yeah. yeah, who yeah, mm-hmm. my queen of Shelley, Donna, and Audrey, and and then Leo, I think realizes that that Shelley might be in uh, danger yeah, or something and and he has that mm. moment where he's like no no, no. and he's like yeah. you know pushing back a little bit which um mm. which is funny because he was just going to kill her yeah he was going to kill her in the last, last episode, episode but yeah. now he's he's concerned for her maybe he's like well if anybody's going to kill her it's, it's going to be, be me, me. Yeah. not you Wyndham yeah. Earl but sure <laughs> um yeah and and there's also a a brief moment in between when uh Wyndham Earl uh comes Gives him a little treat, and he has like, a yeah, he has like a little smile. smile. He's like, "Oh, Wyndham, you're my friend, right?" Yeah. It's like, and that's uh-huh. the thing. He he looks like he and he acts like an abused puppy almost at well, this point. Like he's he's being treated like a dog as well. Exactly. That's what I was thinking about the the link, oddly enough, between Leo and Josie. All of a sudden, is that these two characters who were such forces to be reckoned with in their own ways have been reduced to pets almost, right? Like mm-hmm. they're they're dehumanized and and um fed morsels of of kindness right that aren't even really kind no and and they well leo seems to enjoy it almost i guess but yeah it's it's a it's a strange little little moment yeah sorry one thing that i did the the way uh he tears up the paper and he shoves it in the envelope yeah and he gets Leo to lick it, and like he just like crumples it. That really bothered me. I don't know why that <laughs> why? is, but like just the visual and the the way he crunches it, and like just shoves everything into the envelope. I don't know. It's like that's not gonna make it through the mail sorting machine, you, you idiot. Like <laughs> Aiden's <laughs> Aiden's dad was a worked for Canada Post yeah. for many years. Yeah, I bet so that's maybe, where I got it from. Maybe yeah. Aiden's thinking like, well, 
you know, all the horror mm. stories about your dad coming home with, you know, problems at the plant. You yes, know, the yes. mail sorting They're machine. Caused by this. Yes. Yes. Because Wyndham Roll just doesn't know how to put <laughs> letters in the envelope. Well, no, it doesn't it bother you. It's like it's the OCD in you a little bit. You're just like, no, just do a good job of folding the paper but in there. But he's Wyndham like, Earl. He's I not. Know. He and in this episode, he's not meticulous. He's not controlled. I'm just saying, I it bothers me. <laughs> okay. Now I really don't like Wyndham Earl now. That's what it comes <laughs> it's to. This, it's this moment. Yeah. He doesn't know how to mail a letter. Yeah. That's what did it for yeah. you. Pisses me off. That's um, awesome. So unfortunately we go back to... Uh, the Marsh the residence. The Marsh residence, yeah. And yeah. Donna comes in to save James. And then Evelyn... Evelyn has the gun still for... Why did, well, why did he Malcolm, give her the gun? Malcolm gave her the gun because it, it oh, made yeah, sense be. for her to kill James in self-defense. They cook up this story, um, which in this scene, she ends up turning it around and using it against Malcolm, which yeah. was kind of a good... Uh, it it was a fitting end to this, to this storyline. Yes, because, because what, it's terrible. No. <laughs> sorry, go on. Anyway, <laughs> what, um, what happens is, uh, yeah, Donna comes in and... Malcolm and Donna are kind of uh, pleading with Evelyn for their own cases. Malcolm wants her to shoot James, and Donna wants her to stop doing this crazy thing that she's doing. Mm-hmm. And and Evelyn ends up shooting Malcolm. And then as Malcolm collapses to the floor, he takes Evelyn with her. And as she's kind of laying there on top of him, she repeats the story that he told her to say to the cops about James. Mm-hmm. How now James is going to die. About... Now she's saying it about Malcolm. and um, And I think that in, a, in an episode where you had, you know, like Ben and his kind of psychotic break and um, Nadine and her little psychotic drama, uh, here we have Evelyn seemingly going into a like a fugue almost where she's just like she's repeating this this story that she's going to tell. Um, this whole thing was 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 traumatic enough for her to react yeah. this way. Sure. Yeah. And I thought though... I, I thought she did a, the actress. I forget her name. Annette McCarthy. Annette McCarthy. I, I thought I thought she played it fine. Like it was it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Aiden not not thrilled with this, but. John, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I just thought it was bizarre that like this whole pleading scene. It's mm-hmm. like you, you got you got Evelyn on the couch. Mm-hmm. You've got Malcolm, like, within reaching distance yes. on the floor, and then Donna sitting next to him like a puppy. Yeah, yeah. And, like, this is how they're pleading. You know, yeah. it's like, Malcolm, just stand up. Yeah. Grab the lean gun. Lean over a little bit. Yeah. Grab the gun if you want it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And Donna put up a little bit of a fight. If <laughs> yeah. That interest. You know, it's like somebody has to move in this situation. Yes. Like there's no kinetics at all in that scene. No, and that's that is a good point. It, it's it's an oddly um, structured scene in that sense. In that even just having Donna and Malcolm so close to one another, like he could push her out of the way. He could push her back. There's a fire going behind them. Like he could he could yeah. hurt her. And and we've seen Easily. it already in this episode that he has no problem manhandling her. Right. Yeah. So it wouldn't yeah. be it wouldn't be a stretch. And then even when he approaches Evelyn, like he basically is going to hug her. And that's when she shoots him. Like he doesn't reach for the gun Mm-mm. or anything. He's like he's like his chest is right up against the barrel before yeah. she shoots him. And like, why? Like, that makes no sense whatsoever. No, it's it is it is a strange oh. scene for that, that it it. But let's it face it, like, so what, what was Malcolm's endgame with this? Like, what is he going to do when Donna shows up? Like, is he going to shoot her too? Like, he... Well, yeah, the it, whole... It's the so whole, messy. And... His whole plan was to 
frame James. To, to frame James and make it seem like he was an intruder. But you can't mm. have two people be the intruder, and one of them like yeah, one I, of them who has no emotion, like no, no investment connection to whatsoever what's going to on this, in the scene. Yeah, yeah it it it. Like yeah, he's he, he doesn't make any sense either. I mean, this whole storyline, I'm this is the end, right? This is the end. Okay, yes. so I'm yep. just happy. I don't want to talk about it again. Yep. I don't want to try and figure it out or rationalize it. I just want to say it's over. Yeah, we're done. Sit down, back out of the room, close yeah. the door. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just go back to Twin Peaks. Yeah. Like let's 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 get a move on. I'm fine with that. And we do, yeah. we do, we jump back to the Great Northern, and we get Cooper whistling. Is he whistling the Dixie song? I think so. I, okay. I honestly don't remember, and I didn't write it down. That's what I thought, because it, it matches with um, other instances, like where he's whistling the same song that uh, that Leland, mm-hmm. sorry, with a fringe in yeah. in the um, yeah that episode. But uh, yeah, so it's um, he he's walking through the the Great Northern whistling and and uh, mm-hmm. walks right past, or he goes to the elevator and, yeah, and, it, and then, he yeah. pulls out a picture of Caroline from his wallet. And I yep. thought, I don't know. I just thought my first thought was that's really pedestrian of you, Cooper. Like they, he, yep. a that Cooper has a wallet. I did, I just never picture him with a wallet. <laughs> it just seems like such a weird thing for him to have. I don't know why. I really don't know why that is. A guy has to have a yeah, wallet. Well, I, mean, he's I got know, a wallet. but it's Cooper. Like he's not. I I don't know. It he's just not your average man. Like like Cooper has credit cards. That just seems. Not in, it's in Congress. <laughs> he has a credit to score me. somewhere, yeah. Yeah, that's just weird. <laughs> you to gotta me. have you gotta have your ID somewhere. Yeah. I, I know. How does he flash his FBI badge if it's not? Well, in he hasn't dollar? like okay, okay, all right, all right. Anyway, yeah, but then he has, but then he has this picture of her, and, and again, it's this very like mm-hmm. mall glamour shot, like you got it at the Sears Portrait Studio, yeah. and it's yeah. it's I don't know, didn't no, didn't, it, it doesn't it doesn't vibe really great, um, and in, in fact that we. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. No, it just doesn't feel great. Um, but then, yeah, Earl walks by him. Yeah, and goes... in, in costume. He's yes. in his disguise. He's coming mm-hmm. out of the elevator as Cooper's going in, and, and Wyndham sees Cooper, but Cooper doesn't see him, and they yeah, pass Yeah, which by is other. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. That was my other instance of Cooper's intuition being missing. Yes. Like, how, how do you get within, like, bumping distance of, like, your, your Moriarty yes. without, like, having at least a look on your face like well, something something's happening and especially because in uh it wasn't too long ago that he said earl was in this room i can feel his presence he had this yeah. like yeah. jedi moment and then earl yep. is standing right next to him and he doesn't know yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's yep. very strange it's a very strange thing for me and i think i really do think that it's because he's so like he's looking at the picture of Caroline. I think Caroline is this distraction, and without getting too spoilery, um, the introduction of Cooper's future love interest I think mm-hmm. mirrors that a lot. The distraction that yeah. he feels with her is kind of the same as the distraction that that he experiences here. That's my read mm-hmm. on it anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is which is maybe just me trying to rationalize it because I don't like the way that Cooper loses his intuitive abilities here yeah i i think that's probably what they're trying to do yeah but i I don't think they're pulling it off exactly no not here anyway especially so yeah so abruptly after yeah he yeah he really had a strong intuition moment describing exactly Mm -hmm. how the the the, uh john doe was killed yeah and how he's brought in and everything and then he goes to this Mm -hmm. where yeah he literally has no idea that the guy is right next to him yeah Yeah. but um yeah and then yeah so 
Earl goes to the counter and drops off a message for Audrey. Yeah, the letter. He's he's delivering the yes, letter for her. Yes. And then he takes the owl. Yeah, he takes the postcard of the owl, and I just thought that was, you know. Ooh, an owl. I, but I felt like in, in previous episodes where they've introduced the owls, it's it's creepy. And here it's so goofy yeah. that it really undercuts the well, whole... Well, it was, it was in the scene with Donna and Evelyn, too. They, were, they go to the bar at Wally's, and there's just an owl there, just perched there. Wally's doesn't seem like an owly type place, but all of a sudden there was just an owl yeah. on the counter, and it's like, oh, this is just gonna—you can just mm-hmm. like—they just it, feel like it, they can just drop it in wherever. Yeah, it'll let's just add drop the owls. Yeah, it'll, it, people will notice and they'll think it's important, yeah. but it didn't feel no. important. No, it wasn't. So yeah, it did feel funny though that that the Great Northern just has this whole rack filled with owl. <laughs> yeah. I guess they were postcards. I'm assuming that's well. What, when he flipped it over, there was nothing, on the, nothing back, on the back. So I think yeah. But, you they know, literally just printed a bunch of pictures of owls. But but that's those are the only postcards that the Great Northern yeah. sells. If you go to the yeah, Great wouldn't Northern... It been, wouldn't it have been a lot neater if they had a variety yes. and then he just picked the owl? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like you had some of the falls and you had some yeah. of the, you know, the mountains yeah. and then the one of the owl and that's the one that he picks up. That would have been far more interesting yes. than yeah. just this goofy, you know, it feels Lynchian without, without being... Um, an earned Lynchian moment. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, we Cooper. follow Cooper upstairs and he comes into his room and. Uh, and I love he touches up his suit a little bit. He's yeah. like, he's like, mm, there it is. My old, yeah. my old friend. Yeah. I'll be coming back mm-hmm. to you soon kind of thing. Uh, and then he walks over and finds the death mask. Yes. The death mask. Uh, Caroline's death mask. Um, lit from behind. It laying in the bed with the covers tucked up. It's, it's actually kind of creepy. It is scary. Yeah. Um, and then he lifts up the mask, and a, a tape player starts Going. playing. Mm-hmm. Um, Wyndham gives this speech about how, despite everything, I still love Caroline, and I know you do too. And and the 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 scene ends with Cooper looking through Caroline's the the mask's eyes, and that's where the scene ends yeah. and fades to black. So, um, yeah, with with Wyndham Earl saying, "It's your move," yeah, which. Again, a little on the nose, because yep. that's literally what we've been... <laughs> Talking about he, all the time. He knows it's his move. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I think the, the dramatic tension that... that I mean, there, there have been a lot of intrusions into Cooper's space. He's been shot in his room. Audrey's snuck into his room. Now Wyndham Earl is snuck mm-hmm. into his room. I think the real takeaway is that the Great Northern needs to get better locks on their doors. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. but it, it does really amp up the dramatic tension, I think, just that now Wyndham Earl is... It has literally been in Cooper's private space, and he's really getting into his head. I think that's yeah. the yeah, that's yeah. the implication here. Yeah, I have no idea what to say about that <laughs> ending scene. Honestly, like the the POV of like on the other side of the yeah. mask, yes. looking into Cooper's eyes, yeah. like what? Yeah, what? I I don't even know. Like like I can kind of rationalize most things, but like I almost wonder if that's the thing that. Um, Keaton decided, you know, it's like, ooh, this will be interesting. Yeah. And like, maybe that's her following her gut, and, like, she doesn't even know what it means. Right, but, right. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't even know how to interpret that. Like, I, I'm just basically looking at it like, okay, weird shot, and uh, that's the let's scene. just put a, put a knot on this one and go on. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, I, I can't, <clears throat> I can't really think of how to tie it in with any of the, thematic elements that we've looked at in this episode or that have been present throughout 
the rest of the series. I think that that mm-hmm. might well, it's again a circle or a square or something that you're looking through to look sure. at the main character, which was a motif of this episode, sure, I'd say. But I guess. yeah, it really didn't serve much of a purpose, I don't think. But yeah, what does it say that it's we're on the other side of the mask, looking through Caroline's eyes at Cooper? But it, it then it, then it also looks like it's his face in shadow and just his eyes are, are yeah. lit up. But that mm-hmm. I can't I, I don't have an explanation for that or an interpretation for that. Like it doesn't really seem to say anything. Yeah. Except that exactly. that except that it's a death mask and it's I mean, death masks in and of themselves are a little bit creepy. They're they're you know yeah. in terms of like that the whole uncanny valley thing that it's you know, and that's kind of what what the log lady is talking about in the in the opening. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. may, may, I, I really don't know. I don't know. Uh, we would love to hear from from any other listeners who have their own theories because <laughs> yeah, we're clueless. <laughs> Clearly, we have no idea. But, yeah. but it is it is a it is an interesting visual shot. If and if it doesn't mean anything, it's or it's maybe not interesting. It's striking anyway. Yeah, it's memorable. You, You're like you remember oh, yeah, it, yeah that weird one where they were looking at Cooper through a death mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But that's it. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, this episode go has gone down as as what fans say is one of the worst or the worst. Um, yeah, is it the I, worst? I, I don't, I'm not sure. I compared to the episode immediately after uh, Leland's death, I found that to be the most awkward, <laughs> most yes. painful to watch episode of all yeah. of them. And this one I was because I hadn't watched this one since we watched it the first time <clears> years right. ago. And I was expecting, I was like, I was prepping myself, like, okay, this is going to be really terrible. And except, I think the only thing that makes it really, really terrible is the fact that there is an Evelyn and James is about a third of the episode. And that is just, that's going to be painful no matter who's directing or Mm -hmm. anything. And the script is just so bad for that storyline. And it takes up so much of this episode that, yes, it was not a good episode and I didn't enjoy it. But most of that's because of that, down to that one storyline. And maybe, maybe because your expectations were lower. Yes. Yes. Because you've heard that people say it's yes, the worst. Yes, yes. But I found it, yeah, compared to that, I don't even remember what the name of that episode was or anything, but the, the one immediately, the three days after episode, mm-hmm. I found yeah, that the, one to be far more painful. The dispute between brothers yes. or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's that, that one was quite awkward and and well it just we just noted how different it felt because it was it was the end of the laura storyline and therefore Mm -hmm. it was it was really the end of the twin peaks that david lynch had imagined and tonally Mm -hmm. the change was abrupt and you noticed it and Mm -hmm. it it was painful i mean that tone that that tone shift has since followed through in all these other episodes so this one doesn't feel anything like really the david lynch uh twin peaks either but we've kind of been numb to it because it's been going on for seven episodes yeah. an hour or so yeah. yeah something like that so yeah that's a good way to look at it like the the dispute between brothers was you know lynch is heartbroken so mm-hmm. he's gonna step back for a little while yeah. frost is like doing massive production on um oh my god i can't even think of his movie's name right now storyville uh, yeah thank that's you yeah <laughs> Yeah, so he's he's like off to work on that big yeah, time. Right. It's nothing but Harley Payton and Robert Engels yes. trying to hold the thing together. Yeah. So yeah, that dispute between brothers has a total like behind the scenes reason why it's such an about face. Yeah. Not to mention everybody gets their resets then. Yes. And then yeah, that, you made a really good case for that because this one, like, even though uh, Diane Keaton does a lot of really wackadoo things and totally ruins Wyndham Earl. Yeah. It injects energy that hasn't been in the show for a number of episodes right, either. Right. 
So like it, it almost has a plus in its column. Like it's, it's not, I mean, it's like the bottom of the dirt, but <laughs> like it almost like starts going uphill here too. Exactly. Right? Like, like most there's, of us won't want to admit it. Like there's a light almost at the end of the tunnel and yeah. we're there. Like this is, yeah. this is the end. I mean, and we know we've watched the series, so we know that it gets better and things start yeah. to pick up from here. But even if you didn't know, it, it's still, I think, and Aiden, your interpretation is, is maybe more interesting because this is only your second time watching yeah. this episode. So for like, John, I don't know how many times you've watched it. I must have seen at this show. 12. Yeah, <laughs> at least a dozen times. So I mean, it, it my view and John's view are different, but you coming to it more fresh, even you saw that it was a little bit, I think it gets a bad reputation just because well, and, of Yeah, and also the, well, yeah, the odd shots and the superimposed and the, the double layers and all that. Yeah. And the unnecessary artiness of, of a lot of the shots and stuff like <laughs> that. Devlin's time travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, there, there's, there's all that. <laughs> and uh, also the fact that, you know, it is utilitarian in that it wraps up a bunch of plots. And, and that can be painful to watch. And there was a lot of info dumps and, yeah. and all that. Sure, that's mm-hmm. that's all negative, I would say. Um but at the same time, it, it still felt like it it, had, it was building momentum. Yeah, it was and going somewhere. It was, it was trying to go somewhere, yeah. and it, it was trying to uh, further the plot in an effective manner. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And except for, yeah, the character the character problems were the biggest one for me. So Wyndham Earl having, you know, transforming into the, the pan flute playing, uh, I don't know what you'd call Puck him. from Puck. Midsummer Night. Yeah, yeah, like a fairy almost <laughs> yeah. type character. That, yeah. that bothered me, and same with Cooper's changes, but beyond yeah. that. Yeah, this one has been quite an albatross for me in particular. Like, I, I don't understand why I keep getting fixated on this thing, but I totally do. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I tend to weigh in, like, now that I've actually rewatched it since, like, like since, um, I think 2013, like, the only episode that I've watched uh, was the finales, uh, okay. were the two finale episodes yeah. on the actual day of 25 years later. Okay. Uh, other than that, I've just been listening to podcasts. So right. it's, it's interesting to like, you know, hear like 17 takes on this episode <laughs> and then actually rewatching it. And yeah, right. it's like, well, I, I kind of see what she was doing a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. 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 No, that is that is a really good point. That I mean, we're coming at this from from a far more analytical point of view than I think we've we've ever done for yeah. Aiden we're and I. watching it, yeah. And having listened to other podcasts and 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 getting all these other interpretations in the meantime mm-hmm. has really changed the way that I view it. Yeah. So yeah. And, it's and nice though overall. I it is, it. yeah. I think that's really been a plus. I think it's it's a great thing that this uh, just to get you know broaden our perspective a little bit. The, the mm-hmm. Twin Peaks community has so many great analysis mm-hmm. and analysts who are willing to put these opinions out there, and there's so much discussion about it. It's really great that that, like like I said at the beginning, um, with uh, your contribution to our understanding of it, um, I mean that's that's great. You've really helped us to to yeah. hone in on the important things about the episodes that that we're watching and. And I think that that kind of community building aspect of of the all these podcasts and the Facebook groups and the Reddits and and all the all the stuff that that exists out there has really helped. Um, yeah. Kind of, kind of, yeah, like expand focus our, in and, yeah, yeah, and expand, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no, it, it's yeah, it's just it's yeah, having multiple viewpoints and having people express them really clearly and yeah. well is mm-hmm. is always helpful. So I think, yeah, it's, it's really, really, it's given me a better appreciation for what I thought was the, the, 
like season two, I, I used to dismiss outright completely. Like this was the <laughs> worst ever. Like that was my very like first watch. I'm like, oh my God, this show is terrible. But I've come to appreciate a lot of this stuff in, in subsequent rewatches and over the last, you know, yeah, seven years or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, do you have any final thoughts uh, on on anything this episode or where we're heading next or anything at uh, all? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I, I'm probably just going to end up doing a big checklist of, you know, it's like pro, pro Wheeler, sort of pro Annie if mm-hmm. they would have stretched out her episodes a long time. And yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I could probably just go into a big rabbit hole like that. So I <laughs> yeah. think I'd probably just, you know, say thank you for having me on. And oh, yeah. I really appreciate you guys doing what you're doing too, because oh. your, your angle is just as interesting as anybody who's come before you or after you. So. Oh, right on. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that. That's really great to hear. Yeah. Um, if you guys are interested, John is on Twitter and you can follow him at JPB underscore little green um and we'll put the his uh link up on, in, SoundCloud, on yeah. the soundcloud page if you're interested so i uh, definitely give him a follow he's got some great analysis and yes. and um lots yeah. of great commentary that yeah. comes through uh he's an avid podcast listener yes. so <laughs> and and has been on a, on a number of podcasts you were on sparkwood 21 um mm-hmm. now you've been on here are there any, any other ones that you wanted to to plug or well, I I don't think I've actually been on any other ones oh, really. Okay. I've just I've just been writing in. So okay. I mean, yeah, technically this is only my second Skype interview. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, there you go. That works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, thank you so much again for for coming on. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to do this too. You're welcome. You're thanks welcome. and thanks for being so accommodating too. I know we we took a little while <laughs> to figure out which day would work for us, but uh, yeah. Oh, that's all right. You fit me in, so yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, and no, and no issue with your dog. The the mailman hasn't come yet, has he? No, <laughs> there no, you go. she's just sleeping nice and peaceful right Aww, next to me. That's nice. And actually, we thought. I mean, we've been doing this now for almost two hours. Usually, our cats are at the door just howling and to let scratching them in. and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're great. They're so fine. we we got blessed. They worked out, the pet yeah. gods. All Ooh. of the the pets in in the Twin Peaks episode that we're discussing. <laughs> were the pets that we had to deal with. That's yeah, all. Yeah, that's we didn't it. have to worry yeah. about our own pets. We just had Josie and Leo. So. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or a comment. We'd love to hear from you.